This is What The Flux. I'm Brett. And I'm Justin. And it's Monday the 13th of February. The Super Bowl starts in just a few hours, Juzzy Boy. So we can expect a number of star-studded ads. Everyone from Netflix to Google will be paying up to $7 million US dollars for a 30-second ad during the game, all with the goal of capturing the attention of the hundreds of millions of viewers for a hot minute. <laughs> some good news and some bad news, Brett. According to finance firm Jardin, house prices could fall between 20 and 25 nationally this year. Big jump. I mean, big fall. Bad for homeowners, good for potential home buyers. Three equal stories today, Justin. Let's do it. For our first, Nine Entertainment will broadcast the Summer and Winter Olympics for the next decade after paying 300 million bucks to snag the rights from seven. Oh, the big snatch, Brett, so tell me more. Okay, when it comes to Australia's free-to-air TV mm-hmm. scene, there are two clear big kahunas. That's Nine and Seven. With 10, ABC, SBS and the others out the back of the pack. Yeah. Now, back in 2014, Jazzy Boy, when Fancy by Iggy Azalea <laughs> played all day every day, yep. Seven won the Olympic rights for a reported $200 million for four Olympic Games. And recently, Nine lobbed the highest bid with the IOC for the upcoming Olympics, and they came out on top. All right, man, let's talk numbers here. The ones and the zeros, please. Nine is paying $305 million bucks in cash Ooh. and another 10 mil in free advertising to become the home of the Olympics for the next five Olympics. Now, here's the juicy part. Nine reckons that swooping on these rights will actually give it the chance to use the Olympics as a tentpole mm. to promote all of the company's media assets. That would be across TV, publishing, radio, and of course, Young Stan. So what is the key learning here? In media, the tentpole strategy is all about using one key TV asset mm. to support the financial performance of an entire TV network. It's when high-rating TV shows bring in so many viewers and advertisers that they probably up the rest of a network's less popular shows. In other words, Olympics 2028, you're carrying all the <laughs> other shows. Interestingly though, Brett, when it comes to the Olympics, media companies often make a loss because of the expensive deal struck with the IOC. For our second story, Canopy Growth, one of the world's largest marijuana producers, will close major operations because of a thriving black market. Oh, the fight is on legal versus illegal. <laughs> so what is going on here? Okay, some context. In 2018, Jazzy boy, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, his government legalised the use of recreational marijuana. And that same year, Constellation Brands, the maker of Corona beer, struck a multi-billion dollar deal with Canopy that gave it a 38% stake in the business. This gave Canopy the firepower to spread recreational marijuana far and wide through the mountains and slopes of Canada. (laughs) And it seems like it was working. At one point, Canopy's share market value was nearly 20 billion US dollars. Now, Justin Boy, that was back then. Mm -hmm. Now, Canopy is going through its second restructuring in less than 12 months. By cutting around 800 jobs, they reckon they can save as much as $332 million and become profitable. Interestingly though, Jazzy Boy, Canopy has blamed their performance on none other than Canada's thriving illicit marijuana market. Oh, so what is the key learning here? There is no tougher competition than the black market. In other words, a competitor that is completely unregulated. According to Canopy, in Canada, there are two very different markets. Mm -hmm. One that's legal, highly taxed and regulated, and one that is thriving and illicit. (laughs) In fact, Brett, it's estimated that the black market actually represents around 40% of Canada's overall cannabis sales. And Jazzy Boy, the issues that Canopy is facing, not limited to Canada alone. In fact, Canopy's complaints about competition from the black market are very similar to those made in US states and others around the world too. Yep. For our third and final story, 
Toyota, the world's biggest car maker, posted a surprise 22% rise in third quarter operating profit, partially thanks to a weaker Japanese yen. A weak yen? A strong Toyota? Go on. So Toyota is a Japanese multinational car maker founded in 1937 and produces around 10 million cars every year. Now, Brett, recently, global car makers have been squeezed by two big macroeconomic challenges. You got the semiconductor shortage Mm -hmm. and rising costs. Now, Jazzy Boy, Despite these headwinds, Toyota sales improved across all of their major regions. And take a look at this one, Jazzy Boy. Toyota did very nicely from a plunge in the Japanese yen in October last year. The Japanese currency hit a 32-year low in October, which was actually quite lucky for Toyota. It was. Got me wondering, though, what's the key learning here? For global companies, a weaker home currency can boost results when profits from abroad are brought home. Yes, let's break this down. Toyota's positive results are partly due to a weak yen, meaning they didn't need to do anything differently. <laughs> Their foreign, non-Japanese sales, which is around 85% of sales, are converted from other currencies into Japan's weaker currency. A weaker home currency still adds to the bottom line when profits from abroad are shifted back home. Fluxam, every month in the Flux app, we do a deep dive into a specific personal finance topic. It might be tax, it might be super, it might be budgeting. And this month, we're actually focusing on your mindset around money and how to master it. Understanding your money's story, understanding how to speak to your partners, your parents, your siblings, all about money. But we've got a question for you, Flux fam. Is there a particular topic that you want us to cover? If so, let us know. Hit us up at hello at flux.finance or on Insta at flux.finance. Thanks for listening and we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.